I was just going to clap to start this podcast, but I'm pretty sure everyone just hear, cl- heard Clint's ear pop to start it. <laughs> he always does. I don't know how he does it. He pulls it. No, remember he taught us on the I show. I know, but I day. still can't I get do it. mine, but I never had it that loud. I can't pull. do it. I also don't know why you do it all the time. Oh, it releases so much pressure out of your sinuses and your eardrums? Oh. Tell everybody how to do it visually through the headphones. You kind of grab your ear lobe. You pull straight down, right? Grab your earlobe and just pull on it. Just give it some tension. Down or out? Straight, horizontal. And then w- wiggle your your jaw around. Release that tension. Then just kind of, I kind of do a little circular motion. More and more tension. Let it go and pull it hard. It hurts. Boom. Just did it. That yeah. was Alex's just Wow. Tell me what's going on right now in your head. little heat. A little really warmth coming up through your jaw. My, my earlobe kind of hurts from pulling yeah, on it. Hurts my earlobe. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing you do is you, you could get like a paper towel so you're not slipping because Clay and I are Italian. We're a little greasy, so you can slip. There was Clay's. I just heard Clay. No, that yeah. was his. No, that was yours. I didn't feel nothing. It didn't do. That was yours that did that. Hmm. Anyway, oh, I didn't you get, get Once you get it, you if know, there's a camera in here seeing three grown oh, ass men. <laughs> It'd be like that lungs. thing where they say you can't lick your own elbow and everybody's trying to lick their own elbow. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, slightly off track, but... Uh, slightly. Can we be done with the summer yet? I was just, just going to say, we, we started to discuss how it's going to be 106 degrees here in the next two days. And it's... That's going to be... A it's a 40-degree swing of weather or heat for us. So, it's low as 66, high of... 106. That's going to be a wow. nice uh, cool down for me when I come home. I'll be in Kingsburg for Chase's baseball. 114 or 17 or something supposed to be. That's disgusting. On I probably turf. I was just going to ask you if it's I don't know if it is or not. Is it if it's coach? turf, no. So you'll be on a nice metal bleacher. I'll be in my truck in an air conditioner. <laughs> oh, there you go. You park out in the outfield and watch from there. Oh, I don't know how it's set up, but hopefully. Can you honk your horn to cheer? <laughs> They'll have to be careful as far as health if, when it's that hot if they're yeah. on turf got to be an early game right or a night early game. early and late and then also wanna, they wanna, water it down the, the uh tournament schedule came out and you know let me just get this because it's quite uh funny keep talking you can talk so this is the this. this is 12 year old his last year of regional. cal ripkin so not is he healed up he broke his arm right broke his wrist and he got cleared after he cleared in four and a half weeks <clears> they cleared him to play so How's his range of motion and all that he stuff good? Says everything's fine. Yeah. A little sore the first couple of days we hit. Other than that, all good. Mm. Let's see here. Pool play. Kingsburg, California. So we got Hawaii, Utah, Central Cal. People Northern. are flying from Hawaii to play in this tournament? Oh, like three three teams from Hawaii. Wow. Multiple teams. Uh, Arizona. Two teams from Arizona. A Southern California, a Central California, a North Utah, the host of, of Kingsburg, Hawaii, so, uh, us, Nevada. Um, where's the other team? It don't, whatever. Doesn't, doesn't matter about the teams. But the host is Kingsburg, right? The games are at 9 a.m., 11.30 a.m., and 8 p.m. So they're already. And you play Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. It's a round robin. And then single elimination tournament after you get seated from those three days of playing. You only play two of the days to to get in the round robin. The host doesn't play Monday. The host plays Tuesday 
and Wednesday, both at eight o'clock. <laughs> the other teams play at nine and eleven thirty, right? In the especially eleven thirty, and we play eleven thirty on Monday and nine a.m. on Tuesday. So the Tuesday game not that bad, but that eleven thirty on Monday is going to be brutal. What is a what? How long does a twelve u baseball game typically last? Two hours, but in in uh, I think in regular play it's an hour fifty minutes, but in normal like or in a tournament in regionals i don't know if there's a time limit i think they do a time limit and a run rule i want to say it's you know like the other side of that two hours and 10 minutes they give you some extra time but they still abide by the 15 run 15 it, after four and all i mean you're gonna be out there in the 15 heat after three or f- uh, 10 after four i mean it might not be 115 when you're out there but it's gonna be hot miserably <laughs> <laughs> hot wow yeah not gonna be good but anyway i digress bring bring plenty of water gatorade Yep. Frozen, uh, frozen peas. I don't know those, those <laughs> cooling towels. You put the ice, wa- put them in the sure. ice water, and think about think about the cool, crisp morning of a duck hunt. Yeah, in October drink, when it's yeah, ninety five. In October when you're covered in <laughs> mosquitoes. I was gonna say drinking coffee, but you don't get to experience that. Nope. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit. We're not. I don't want to talk solely about I'm a, I'm starting to get a little bit bummed that we didn't get any tags. <laughs> everybody I that, huh? everybody I turn around like most of them have said, "Yeah, I got a tag. I got two tags." I know. Kent, know. Kent's son, you know. Yeah. Desert bighorn sheep tag, bull antelope. elk tag, antelope tag. Yep. In my I, opinion, I that's too lucky. You don't want all three of those tags in one year? No, I know. But but I can't... I can't... This sounds wrong. And I know it's wrong. And I've not had a fully <laughs> been able to, you know, uh, formalize. But you would think that there's some kind of an algorithm, some kind of technology that... Okay, you pull a bighorn sheep tag, you're out. And I'm, you know, I'm a capitalist. I want you to make as much money, you know, if you're in for... But... You just said it. Most people don't want the, that many tags. And I get that they're going to return them back in, but I bet you less than 10% of the population of people that put in for tags looks at that first first come, first serve thing. I've never looked at it. No, neither have I. And we put in every year. We've been putting in every year for our whole lives. Yeah. My dad doesn't look at it. My mom I, You know, so it's like, I don't know how to say it, but I feel like, it ought to like in that computer program it's like oh clint drew a bull elk tag why would he want anything other than that he's out now okay so what is it just bull elk and sheep i think the high the high the high priority the big dogs okay, you draw a bull elk you draw a bighorn you draw a mountain goat you what, draw you know what are those three oh, that's the, it i think three? that's it sheep elk okay. you know so now you're saying if you draw one of those, you're out for the whole thing. Your name's out. But so they would have to pull those. How do you prioritize those three? So you just pull them first. But if you if you pull the sheep first, alphabetical. So they they start with California Bighorn Ram, and they they because there's only like fifteen or I don't know whatever. Yeah, there are. but I'm just saying if they were if they, you were to pull one of those, but you also were going to pull another sheep, and an, you get all three and a, and a bull elk. Where if you don't pull one of those other three, you might still have to wait another 10 or 15 years because you might not get drawn again. Sure. But you would never know. <laughs> I just think it betters everybody's odds for drawing something else. 
And it, and it really wouldn't. I, I guess it probably really doesn't take that many people out of the pool when you really think about no, it. No, it doesn't. Because you got X number of bull tax. How many are there? A thousand? I don't know. And then you probably got 200 bighorn sheep tags. So it really. Yeah. And of I those think it's, people, yeah. how many more people would draw? Right. I mean, you get, you give, you'd give three to 500 people a chance, a better I think, chance. I think you're uh, overanalyzing it. I think just the simple, I mean, who, who really has the time and the, the effort and the money and but, the resources to do all those in no, one year? They you don't, don't want to do But that. also they don't take the, they, I think everybody starts with the notion of I'm going to do it. And they end up forfeiting those tags because you can give them up all the way up until the day it opens. Sure. Yep. And I think people hold them and hold them with the intention of going. And then they short themselves. Either they, they go on an antelope hunt and they're only thinking about this desert hunt. And I just took all this work off the antelope hunt. So now I'm not doing this bull elk or vice versa, whatever one's more important to you. But you wait so long to turn them back in that they go to waste, in my Which opinion. Which is pretty common. Like that guy, I'm going to go... I'm trying to get that antelope opening more and kind of get it out of yep. the way. And when that doesn't happen, now all of a sudden now you're, you're spiraling. And, and yeah. you really get in trouble. The antelope tag, I think you can do, right? You got August, September, and the and the sheep and the elk don't usually start till, you know, October maybe, but most of them November sheep for sure. So you do have some time there. But like you said, <laughs> if you don't get it done, or if you've drawn an antelope tag, you know, four hours away and you got to take a couple days off work even to try and go get it done opening morning but now it doesn't happen so now you spent a week on your antelope now can you go back to your work and take another week off for the bull take it now you've now you get in your own head and you go man i i, I did all this other hunt and i really want this bighorn ram and i want a good one now that takes two or three weeks to get so you know like so i said they, you, they get to the morning of the animal and their wife's bitching at them you're gonna be gone all year long you know you 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 know and then so well now i'm not gonna do this so antelope is, hunt. shouldn't that be on you though as a hunter yeah sorry if, you're not, if you put in for all these knowing that you shouldn't you're not going to go if um you get them all should you just police yourself like we've always talked about hunters yeah. police themselves like beat that I day have, put I back have in. 12 points as or 25 points as, i'm there's a pretty good chance i might draw this i'm only going to put in for one of those big games and maybe a cow elk or you know something know. or just one because look at because there's too many things proof and point is you guys with your sheep tags you've been saying yeah pretty good on and you never draw yeah. so you know i'm i'm 20 it's, something in. hey well, i'm as guilty of it as everybody i put in for everything and and I I would be probably guilty of if I ever drew multiple tags, <laughs> I'd know. want I'd want to do them all. I think two. I think twos. I mean, when you say three, I mean, if we started this off when you say Kent's kid got three, and that's that's over it's hard the top. to do, man. To me, you just you you look at the three of them, you look at what type of year it is, and you turn one of them back in right away, and then you put your the pressure on yourself to to fill those two tags, especially yeah. if it's one of the ones. Yeah, no nobody with thirty five points. For a, for a desert's going to turn it back in because they got a bull elk tag that year. They're going to try to do both, so it's like, you know. You know my buddy Randy turned a sheep tag in last I, year I mean, and then, yeah, then redrew this year. Did he? Yeah, but he didn't like the area that he – it's not that he didn't like the area, but he felt he wasn't in the right shape to hunt the unit that he got, and so he, he turned it back in hmm. early. He knew right away. Right when he drew it, he said, I, I called the guy. The guy said, hey, it's a lot of hiking. It's real steep. It's, you know, da 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 he said i'm out and, re- and drew the very next year yep. wow that's good but he's you know he's probably got 30 points or something so so do you i have like 20 20 22 i think <laughs> I got. so yeah that's, that's no great. i know it's great 
That's crazy. Yes. Yeah, so, so I want to tag too, but hopefully the coyotes this year are good, so we can. Well, have I was a lot just going to say tags. we got we got uh, we got coyote tags, duck tags. We always say we're going to do a little chuck run. It never really happens, but 10, 2, and 12. 12, 10, 12, and 2. Right. 10, 2, and 6. 10, 2, and 4. Don't be giving out them secrets. See how much a coyote chucker hunter I am. <laughs> There's less... Uh, I don't know. It's just I like all the lead-up to the big game hunts. You know what I mean? It's like we're, we're not taking Benelli's out to practice. I mean, they, they, I, I mean, I guess we shot some clays the other day, but... You know, it's not like sighting in a rifle or, you know, getting a new rifle with a caliber and putting the scope on it and dialing it in and all that. You know, it's just not the same when you don't. There's just other functions. Do you you sight your rifle in every year? Oh, yeah. If you had the same rifle and same ammo? Oh, yeah. I'm not saying I shoot as much, but I go shoot it. That's why I do, too, which is funny, right? Because like you're saying with shotgunning. What's the difference? Because you should sight in your shotgun knowing where it shoots. You might hold it differently than, you know, you might got an injury or something in that shoulder. You might hold it differently as you get older. So you should go shoot and shot and practice oh, shotgunning before. I am terribly guilty of not. And you d- you take it out the safe and you go right into shooting. Boom. Don't even, don't even. Yeah. I, cl- I cleaned it. I cleaned it when it went in the safe at the end of the year, <laughs> year last year. And it's going to come out squeaky clean on opening morning. <laughs> but with rifle. We I all go out and practice. Well, part of it is when you're talking big game hunting, it's going to be that one shot, one kill opportunity. So you you have to put in that extra effort to make sure it's yeah. dialed in. But if it was dialed in the year before, why wouldn't it be dialed in still? I, I would you know? be comfortable not. You know, like I, I would not be that worried. I don't, you know, I don't shoot that coyote rifle very much when I'm not really hunting, you know, but I, I feel confident with it. But the first time you missed, it would be very hard to come back from because – did the scope get bumped? Did yep. you, whatever you know? So it's like if That's you never happened. I know. Oh, yeah, it never happened. But Which, I, but I, I agree with you. You're like, going to get multiple well, opportunities too with a coyote that you know the elk or the deer. You might you, if that same scenario and you wonder if the scope was awful. You've already blew your opportunity. You can call right. another coyote in. So so do do you know that? And I'm not uh, I'm not fully versed in what I'm about to say to you, but it's something <laughs> that I want to look into. We shot at that Martinez gun club with Blake and different choke tubes. So he called it like the 80-20 factor. So different choke tubes are kind of set like 80% of the pattern is above your bead and 20% is below. So when you shoot a sporting clay, right? Like... There's a little bit of room for error, but you should be shooting lower than the lower than, than you think yeah. because of the way that they're set. And he and he's a, he's like a world class shooter. He said, you know, you can't even see this. Like you shouldn't be, you shouldn't see that twenty percent that's down below. But it gives you a little bit of a cushion. But so I don't know. I personally don't know. And he said they change and they vary. And if you don't pattern your gun. You don't really know each like if I bought two of the same choke tubes you're saying? No, no, no. But like, you know, so an improved cylinder from Benelli might be tuned to an 80/20, you know, split. A full choke might be uh 90/10. You know, 
and they and they change and they fluctuate and then they change and fluctuate with custom manual. Rob Roberts might do a 75-25. But you need to know that's what he was saying is you need to know so sporting we're talking we weren't talking sporting clays we were talking uh, um, you know just regular five stand. There's a distance, you know, you're 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 16 yards behind the trap house. Now obviously the flight of the bird is going to change, but you know, he knows his pattern at that at that very, you know, uh regimented detail of where his his choke tube is putting. He says I just go 100% over the top. I don't want any of it down below. Can't see that anyway under the barrel, so I'm not aiming over there. So I want all mine up top. And that, <laughs> that's crazy. And, but also, you know, his his uh, his vent rib is freaking three quarters of an inch tall, you know. So his sight picture, everything's different on those kind of guns. But we should be looking at our our hunting guns. We should have pattern, and we should know how much is above and below. Right, especially duck hunting. You know, chucker runs a crapshoot. They get up at your feet. They could get up sixty yards out, and you're. But you know, duck hunting. If you're sitting on the river. You're going to have a 25 to 30 yard shot, yeah. you know, and maybe you don't shoot past that anyway. You should know what your pattern's doing. And and then that's your basis of where you put your bead when you're shooting. It was interesting to hear. Yeah, he, they, is uh, a, he is a good shooter. Oh, dude, that he shoots that. What's that one? He, Helix? ZZ Bird. The, the ZZ Bird. But yeah. it's a, you know, it's like a, it's like a reactive shooting deal where the you never know there's five stands in front of you it's like a plastic winged target with a white it looks like a clay pigeon but it's plastic in it and that thing takes off at different it could fly straight away it could fly hard right hard left a variation it could pick up and you're you don't know which one of the five houses it's coming out of and you've got to shoot the the wing thing and the white part has to land inside of this 60-yard ring, and that's how you score. Wow. It was the hardest. It, it was And on fun. top of it, just a, it was windy, a little oh, extra yeah. they're, windy. They're affected and by that, too. And it's all plastic, so it's, wow. it's affected so much more by the wind. So certain angles, that's what would happen. It would go out, and if it, if it buffered into the wind, the thing was up and out of there oh, yeah. so fast. It was and just then, like chuck hunting or quail yeah. hunting. If it was downwind, you, could, uh, you had about, a, what, one second to shoot the thing. Yeah. Even if you hit it, it was going to fall out of the out of the boundary. You yeah. could make a, you know, like a drinking game, quote unquote, oh, yeah. like a shooting game out of that and charge a lot they of They do it for money. That's oh, it's, no, like it's like the, money. It's like the live bird uh, deal where they do, you know, where the guys have the bird boys and yeah. all that, and they bet hundreds of that. They do this. This is the non-killing animals version of it but very fun and very cool what was the official name we said zz bird there was one other it started with an h i just it was thinking halise 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 Halise. big money and halise and then sometimes i bet you amongst the five or six of us that were shooting there was three four times where we hit the the uh, orange outside and that the thing never popped out. Yeah. You could kind of see it wiggle a little bit, and it's like, I hit it. Well, and, you know, a clay pigeon, you'd at least get a little bit of black dust. That one, or one chip it just will break keeps off. on going. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And we went out and looked at them. You'd pick them up, and they'd have BB holes in them. But if you don't hit them hard, they won't pop that white thing off. And yeah, if you wait too long, you can hit it, and but then it goes outside the, the ring. You don't get the point. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. yeah. It was, that was brutally tough. Speaking of Benelli, you know what they're doing this year? No. Are we talking Benelli rifles or Benelli shotguns? Well, we were talking about shotguns, so I figured I'd talk about that. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> and duck hunting. Um, they're doing the Benelli Migration Madness this year. 
what is the Binelli migration? <laughs> Binelli? I had to swallow a water in my throat. You caught me off guard. <laughs> the Binelli Migration Madness is a contest this year. It's over $15,000 in prizes. Um, Are we able to enter? Well, you can enter. It runs from August 1st to the October 31st. And you go to shoot-on.com backslash Benelli Migration Madness. Shoot-on.com backslash Benelli Migration Madness. And uh, sign up. It's like $17,000 in prizes. Something wow. like $15,000, $17,000 in prizes. Um, Am I eligible? Yeah. Being that I'm affiliated with you? Yeah, for sure you are. It's, uh, you know, they've got a bunch of sponsors. Bandit is part of it. Federal Ammo is a part of it. Tetra, uh, all our brands, GHG, Avery, Realtree, ShootOn.com. But there's a collection of Benelli Super Black Eagle 3 inches in 3.5, 12-gauge, 20-gauge, 28-gauge, all in the Realtree Max 7. Um, a $4,000 online shopping spree from Banded, GHG, and Avery. Three cases of ammo for each of those Super Black Eagles from Federal. Para wing shooter alpha shield hearing protection that are valued over fourteen hundred from Tetra and a bunch of other cool swag from all the other companies. So you can go to the that website. You can go to your local dealer and get a secret code and and put it in. You can refer friends on that website and other things, and you can get extra uh, uh, input. Whatever <laughs> extra <laughs> when you put your name in extra. Like when you name put, into the hopper, yeah, extra chances to win, extra what's odds? that? Odds? Oh, no, not odds. Uh, oh my god, I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but anyway, you have you get extra names in the barrel if you refer friends or go to your dealer and get a secret code. And um, you, there's Benelli's doing some films, a whole bunch of different ways you can enter and get extra entries. There it is, extra, extra entries. Extra entries. Hey oh, But anyway, it's gonna be good. Benelli migration madness. And a whole bunch of cool prizes this year. So get in August 1st, October 31st. Shoot on. That's shoot hyphen on dot com backslash Benelli Migration Madness. I'm going to get in on that. It's a lot of good stuff. I bet you they'd say that I'm not eligible. And it sounds like it's just I, it's a drawing. You're not doing anything other than just referring to friends. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. I imagine they're. Um, yeah, I don't know all the, it's just coming out. So August 1st and, um, I imagine they're just, you know, getting, um, emails and stuff like that. Cause the emails were worth a lot of money to companies, but I have no idea once you get onto that website yet and see if you have to do anything, but most contests, there's no, you can't legally make them purchase anything right no purchase no necessary. purchase necessary so i don't i mean other than just signing up i don't think you have to do anything right be worth it sign her up i uh i took a little peek out in the uh shop there today clint and uh noticed you're starting your table clint. we've discussed this table on the show several times you're, i've been uh, getting a call every day want to go to the shop start the table can we go to? Can you go to the shop and get some tools? Can we go to the shop and start the table? <laughs> yep. We finally started. Yeah, that's what yesterday. I really want to do is work. I've been work, here all day. All day. Go home for <laughs> grab my tools here? and come yeah. right. Well, oh, that's what he did too yesterday. He goes, "You want me to go?" Because I was still here. He called me like at four fifteen or thirty. I'm like, I'm not even done yet at work. He goes, "You want me to go to your house and 
get your tools and I'll just meet you over there? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I want to go home for a minute. <laughs> but, so we briefly discussed, well, not briefly. We've kind of talked about it in detail, I guess, but you got to, you got to, how big's your elk? I it's kind already. of a, it's kind of, it has evolved, I think, since the last time we talked about it, just kind of logistically. How so. big's your bull? Big. Big. I know. <laughs> big. 385 380-something. So he's, you got this big old big. monster bull going on top of a Jack Daniels barrel. So that's that's where it's evolved a little bit. It's going to be on top of two barrels now. Ooh. One barrel's just not enough. You know, just possibly not enough just to support maybe possibly tipping and stuff because also the table itself. But So it's there's two barrels side by side. That'll side be the base side. of it. Yep. And then the 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 resin pour so um live edged wood resin pour is going to be the table on top of it and then as that's built it's still kind of all fluid about exactly where and how the elk is going to be and the whole thing comes apart obviously it's got to it's it's got top top from the barrels 100 so you can and the elk off of it so i imagine there's going to be a little chase you know a little pipe or something through that resin that you can put the rod down through mm-hmm. yeah like a receiver like receiver a, like and then you could take the elk off on a hitch and then know? take off the yeah you're barrels. gonna have everything you're gonna have to have the barrels separated and then so like once it's all done you'll you'll place a barrel place another barrel right side by side with it place the table on top of it then you're gonna have your brackets to attach the table to the barrels hmm. and then you're gonna have that vertical uh, bar that's gonna go through that receiver maybe tying off to the table but i'm thinking possibly even all the way down to the ground just for stability and that's what will attach into the pedestal mount is that live edge mount, uh-huh. wood heavy it's uh what two and three quarters inches thick of of a call it's called liquid amber is, is two the, feet wide in some places yeah, the, and the 18 in some other but places so heavy, Real heavy. It's, and it's then that epoxy is not going to be light either no. so that that tabletop is going to be fairly heavy so oh, it's yeah. going to be a four four foot by four foot ish table square square with two pieces so that that live edge is going to get cut in half and flipped on each other so the live edge is on the inside Mm -hmm. and you can have like a river desert scene we're we're doing a desert desert scene scene through the middle of that you can put some shiny rocks in there yeah like nevada themed kind of because the this liquid amber arrowheads in there it it it's basically looks like juniper so but it's a big tree so it's juniper is very common in the state of nevada so it's going to definitely have a nevada theme it's a nevada bull it's my bucket list bull you putting an arrowhead in there yeah and my the thoughts on the on the the shell casing did you get the shell casing yes i have the shell casing i don't know if i'd put something like that in there my thought is to have it look natural so i would say i have about a half a dozen you know of the one from just a few years ago of arrowheads full mostly full arrowheads that i've found on a hunt not just out hunting and you take a break but on a hunt right i've had i found two of them on my first elk hunt when i was walking through the trees cow calling just you know just happened to look down and find them and then there's one that i found with you on an antelope hunt right big old one so those kind of those are the kind of type of arrowheads that'll be in the table in the in the desert sand and then i'm thinking uh for the sake of the poor, I'm probably shying away from a full coyote skull, but maybe just a jawbone, because of all the sinuses and all the open space inside of the skull, you might have issues with the bubbles. The bubbles coming up to the surface, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so something something coyote themed, right? Some kind of I think a jawbone would make sense with some teeth on it. Old rusty trap. You can give me a give me a. I don't know. I would, I don't know how much I want. Like man made. I mean, obviously that those rocks yeah. were, were scraped on by man, but I'm thinking a natural scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you want me to give you? You give me. Didn't you say unless you give me some? I thought you were going to ask me for like one of them skulls back or something. I don't know. I got I got extra skulls. Shoot. Bleached skull. Yeah, bleached skulls. What if you? What if you? I don't know. That skull would be rad in there, but I I, I was going to say, what if you fill that sinus cavity up first with something and then sink you it? You could you could you could destroy it a bit inside, just break apart a lot or of the sinus up, yeah. stuff, and maybe put a, a foam in there, an expanding foam, something yeah. like that. Because yeah. It, it'd be cool we're, we're thinking out loud right now because yeah i think the full skull would would be killer right have it kind of half buried you know tipped on its side yeah. kind of thing you know but have it buried like it's been there for a while yeah what and then my thought would be to have a, a foam rock started in the resin and then that same rock is out of the resin and that'll kind of bring you up to the elk it'll kind of tie everything together Obviously, that the elk's going to have to come off of that so that it can be transported and stuff. So there's a lot of moving parts. Wow. Yeah. But when we get with our friend, the taxidermist, uh, where'd he'll, you he'll land on, piece on, it together for us. on the, uh, you know, facing left, mouth open, mouth, what'd you, where'd you the land bull, on that? The, the archery bull I have is, is a right turn, so that he's going to be a left turn for sure. Plus, that's his better side. His right horn's his better side, so that'll be facing you. Plus, you need to have him turned because of the size so that you have an area. You know, he's not hanging out over the top of that table too much mm-hmm. towards the front. So, yeah, he's going to be a left turn. He's going to have his ears back and down a bit. He's going to be slightly turned up, kind of a, a bugle pose, mouth closed, so that those horns lay back. Because the other aspect of something like that, you're on a barrel, which is basically three feet tall. Then you got another three inches of wood and... So by the time you get to it, it's like how how tall is this thing going to be? So that'll save you a little vertical room by having his his tines tipped back a little bit. So last week we spoke that uh, I don't even that wasn't last week. Whenever it was, a couple weeks ago, we kind of touched on this trip to Jack Daniels. You did is that where the barrels are coming from? Or you, I, there's a couple barrels here, but I don't know. Did you get some barrels there? Or what What are you doing for barrels? I, I haven't gotten final word on it, but with the with the barrel tasting traditionally what that what jack daniels does for you is they they give you the lid the top of the barrel to commemorate your barrel right i haven't heard back on uh, the logistics of potentially hopefully getting that barrel the only way you would really know it's that barrel is these the the rivets on the side they actually have like they have which which uh cooperage they came from and all that kind of stuff there's there's uh letters that are that are in the metal there but you know how you don't necessarily need that barrel but of course they're gonna be jack daniels barrels yeah yeah maybe even two two different barrels i mean right now i'm looking at a jack daniels number seven old number seven barrel and then i turn to my right and i'm looking at a jack daniels single barrel select and they're different wood i noticed on those well and that's no no all the woods the same those are just stained so these all go to kevin the barrel man as he's known he's like just this genius guy that's worked for jack daniels forever and when when the barrels are done of course jack daniels is is always finished in an original oak barrel so charred oak barrel 
Um, so it's never reused. I was going to say once they're Jack used, Daniels. that's it. So there's a huge process at the end where all of the barrels that all the whiskey has just come out and been bottled. Where do they all go? They come into this huge warehouse. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of them coming in there. Part of it's automated, but a lot of it's manual, you know, forklifts and stuff. But these guys are, there's some physical labor going on in there. And they're basically doing a quick check of, okay, this is a barrel that will hold liquid again. Another another bourbon, a wine, wine. whatever it is. So those kind of go over into a corner. And that's the vast majority of them. It's crazy. A lot of them don't get very damaged. You know, they sit in that barrel house for four to 10 to 12 years some of them, they leak in certain ways because of the, the, the heat change and stuff, but they don't really get damaged very much. So the vast majority of them go in the corner of the warehouse, but they'll kick one out every once in a while, and those are getting busted down. They go up on this deal, they load it up, and there's a machine that compresses them, and then they got two guys on either side of a conveyor belt that, that have hammers and anvils and stuff, and they got to kind of work pretty quick because they're coming. the barrels keep coming towards them, and they got to knock these rings off of them. And then all of a sudden that barrel just falls apart. All these planks just fall apart. They pull those out, they stack them up, and then that's where all those barrel tops come from. So Can, you're do, gonna do they reuse the metal? You know, I don't know what one from what I understand, and I'm a bit of a novice on this part of it, but essentially Jack Daniels uh, is 100. percent If you want to say, I forget the word, but just it, it's recycled. Everything they use is repurposed. There's no waste. Hmm. Those don't go into a landfill. So that metal goes somewhere. What? What? I imagine the metals repurposed back to the barrels. Yeah, that's I was what say, I would think. Why wouldn't you be able to use that on the next barrel if you broke it off? I get the wood. Um, the wood they get the flavor and color the, out of. So and can't. I think that probably is right because where I forget which one it is. There's a J if it comes out of the Jack Jack Cooperage, which that's in northern Alabama, if I remember right. And then there's a brown foreman, so there's a B on the rivet that um, comes out of the brown foreman, which owns Jack Daniels. That cooperage is in Kentucky. And I and believe the they're the one, only right? two. Co- yeah, they, they expanded to the one down in Alabama. Yeah. So you can look on those and see a, which cooperage those came from. So I imagine if they do reuse those rings, they go. They have to go back to the – well, I don't think – because the, the, the J's not on the ring, I don't think. I think it's on the rivet there, so – as long as the rivet has where the cooperage comes from, but they repurpose everything. I think I was telling you last time they the the mash. What happens to all that sour mash that's left over after the alcohol's you know basically filtered out of it? What 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 happens to all that? You can imagine does it go in the river? I was I mean, thinking heck, some kind of fertilizer. Some I was going to say fertilizer. What is it? Uh, Lynchburg, Lynchburg, Tennessee is in. I forget which county. second smallest county in in all of tennessee Uh, if you said it i might not even remember but it's the second smallest county in tennessee it has the largest cattle population in all of the state because they there's trucks just going in and out of this area it's near barbecue hill where the trucks are coming in and they're basically siphoning off all that all that mash and they're taking it straight to the cattle and that's mixed in with their feed so the really? cattle from that area are basically fed with Jack Daniels mash. That's pretty cool. Mixed so with their feed? The mash. You know, the mash is basically yeah. all the leftover bark. Kind of like yeah, ham and beef and, and gets ham and alls. Yeah, you'd think that they would mix it in with all the other feed. I don't think it would be straight. Just No, no, no. They, mix, they got to mix it in. But the yeah. alcohol is Kind of like right? a filler. The alcohol has been uh, filtered out of it and everything. So it's, it's, it's basically just mashed up used grains, right? Yep. 
uh, old number seven is like 70% more, corn. So more county. More, yeah, more county. Second smallest county, largest cattle population because <laughs> – they, and they're basically giving it I away. I was going to say they probably give it away, they're right? It's like a filler. And every aspect of it, even on these barrels, the, the, the charred oak that's never going to be used again, you could you should see all the stuff that Kevin does with, with these – unusable barrels what all the artistic stuff he makes chairs he makes bar tables you know poker tables there's all this repurposed um charred oak uh, oak wood that that never goes it it's not just burnt and put up the atmosphere it doesn't go to a landfill it's repurposed in one way or another that's great yeah it's cool it's a it's such a neat company i've seen kind of the 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 you know art stuff you can get from them in uh like you said, you can get the barrel lids, and I think at Sturgis they sell the whole barrels. You can buy, yeah. But they have all sorts of like uh, knickknacks that you can buy out of them. And I guess I I I didn't. I went to the Jack Daniels tent when I went to Sturgis, but I wasn't looking for souvenirs. I, you I know? believe Kevin. You should see his operation. It's not. It's not. I'd say it's old school. It's like it's not real technical. There's certain technical parts about it, but it's pretty. It just looks like it's maybe from 50 years ago, kind of thing. And um, I believe he takes a trip up every year for Sturgis. I don't know with one big rig, maybe a couple of big rigs full of barrels. Yeah, yeah. So they he delivers the barrels there himself, hangs out for the week. Yeah. Chad um, said like people love them, which oh yeah. Uh, I, I guess if you rode your motorcycle there, you wouldn't be interested in buying a barrel. But if you if you trailered your motorcycle there and you got your toy hauler and or at least bought one put it have on it put it on order and i'm sure they can handle the getting yeah. shipped to you know but i guarantee you the three barrels that we're looking at right now you know kevin's shop did these oh, they yeah. lacquer them up and clean them up and everything so so, so yeah. you just think that's just a different color kind of stain or something that went on it when they did it obviously because it's a lot more yellow than the other yeah one. you know well that's old number seven there and then this is a single barrel so that that sat in a warehouse with with whiskey inside of it for four years this one did for 10 to 12 years so maybe that's the difference in the color we're looking at i'm not hmm. real sure i would guess that's what it is though was that a pretty enjoyable trip nah it was average yeah <laughs> <laughs> what if you didn't love whiskey would it still have been cool I, I, that's a great question. I, I would wholeheartedly say, I mean, even if you're not an alcohol drinker, but let's just say you're a tequila guy, like some guy in this room or something, there's no way you couldn't be, uh, you couldn't enjoy that experience just going through and watching how, what, what kind of company it is, how well it's ran. And it's in a beautiful you, place, right? Oh yeah. Lynchburg's beautiful. That whole area. I believe that's the Smoky Mountains, right? I took. I was going to say, I took I took Jared and his wife down there, and she is not a whiskey drinker at all, not even really an alcohol drinker, and she absolutely loved it. It was her favorite part of the trip from being in Nashville and all you know, really? doing everything that we did. It was a, it was her favorite thing that she did during how, that week. How long does that tour take? A couple hours? Well, there's different ones. The, 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 oh. Well, yeah. the, the general public tour is called the Angel Tour. Yeah. That's That's the one that everybody goes on. And I would say from start to finish, you have a tour guide. You start in a in a really cool house that's got all kind of, kinds of um, memorabilia and a commemorative Jack Daniel stuff, and you start the tour there. Um, man, we did so much different stuff. I know, but I'm gonna I say that one. I'm gonna say a couple hours. You yeah. go to the cave where all the original, where the water only soul water source comes from. You go to I, I, I Jack Daniel's gonna... old office. 
you, you read you're my in mind the room about where the, he, the safe was that he kicked. The safe is sitting right there. You can touch it. It's right. You're sitting in the room with him, and that's the safe that he kicked that eventually led to his death and stuff. So you got all that history. He's like Bob Marley, huh? Got an infection in his toe and died. Over time, it's basically yeah. the complications of it. He eventually lost part of his leg and then above the knee, and then I think he eventually got his leg taken off almost all the way up to the hip, I believe. How do they protect that water source? Because I saw it in the video they that own was it. out here. They own the land. They own. So you keep their. Everyone's just kept out of it. It's kept clean. They don't let. I mean, there's no chance a coyote crawls in there and dies and contaminates the water source type stuff. I think it's at a certain temperature, and I mean, there's that's just mother nature right there, right? But as far as protecting it, I I just I believe as far as a it's water kinda, source, they own the land all around there. So yeah, it's all fenced in as part it, of the deal. It's all yeah, it's all protected and from you know human i imagine they have some animal protection and, it's, as well. and they don't know the entire cave system by the way there's a really cool picture in uh the squire's house it's just a drawing basically of what they know of the cave system they've got kind of landmarks and all that kind of stuff so they've explored a lot of it but for example i believe when you're at that at barbecue hill uh motlow cave that's the one where the Confederate soldiers, we were talking the other week about the, did, did I tell you guys about the, the soldier? Oh, I, I've told so many different stories. I forget mm. who I've told them. So <laughs> at barbecue Hill, uh, it ended up in the, in the day it was basically about a basketball size spot. So as, as our friend that did the tour there, it was just unbelievable how he told the stories of, you know, thinking back to the civil war, essentially, and you're an injured Union soldier, Confederate soldier, and you're up in these hills around here. And he just spit off right off the top of his head about nine different battles. We had the battle da, 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 through, so it was all around this area. And you know, you get you get separated from your regiment and all this kind of stuff. And here you are, you're stuck up in these hills, and now it's winter time, and it's you know it's the South, but it still gets pretty cold and it's really? muggy. And all of a sudden, you see some maybe light or, or darkness or whatever you see something on a hill and you go there and you realize it's a cave and you could so as the story goes you could crawl into this basketball maybe slightly larger hole and it was pretty tight for 10 feet or something but then it opens up and so they've changed that nowadays now there's big doors and it's all bolted and locked off and stuff but uh you go back in there and they've They've uh, rejuvenated, I guess, the the drawings and the. Or the they basically what they did with their torches is they held them and they burnt the charcoal, just like the Native Americans used to do, and they with their fires and stuff, and they burnt their names and their regiment into the walls and the ceilings of this cave. And you, there's one spot where you can't go down because it's basically a river back down that way. But he says if you go back that way, you can look up and you can see. We don't know who these people are. They're nameless, faceless people, but they were in this cave. And the first question that uh, Brian asked, he said, uh, Union and Confederate? He's like, yep. So you can imagine here you are on both sides of the war. You're probably cousins with each other potentially. And you're potentially mortally wounded or you're, you're having to heal up. I mean, they probably became best friends, you know, soulmates in a way, and they were on opposite sides. And so that was a really cool story. But that cave itself is part of that cave system but they've never been able to tie go to where they can directly tie it into where the jack daniels cave is where the water is hmm. but it's all part of the same system they just haven't it's kind of like pyramid lake you know they never found the bottom kind of thing so that was a real cool part of it i've been watching some videos of guys crawling around in caves and it's not for me when you talk about crawling through a hole that's it's the, it's the first thing basketball size nah yeah 
Yeah, and wonder if it's ever going to open up. Right. And then well, how do you, okay, I can't, you can't turn around and head back out. You're going to have to back out. <laughs> right. You got to try and shimmy backwards then. <laughs> Way too claustrophobic for no. that. But I guess if you're bleeding to death and you need shelter, I yep. imagine that would it would be what pushed you through there. Or you figure, worst case scenario, I'd die in this cage instead of out here where the coyotes are going to chew on me. I will say this real quick. Clay, Clay probably knows more about this, this source, but um, the hunting wire. So the July 10th uh, edition of it is uh, our story of our trip to Lynchburg. So if you go to uh, huntingwire.com, you can read up on You the gave story. some kind of an interview or something? Yeah. Uh, Chad and Clay's, all of our friends, uh, Allie, uh, took our stories and wrote it. She's the one that actually produced oh, nice. the writing part of it. But, yeah, I, I supplied her with all the different stories and details and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so that's just kind of a... What would you call it, Clay? That's just a way to kind of keep keep in touch with what's going on in the the world of the foul life and bandit and all that kind of yeah, stuff. We, and, yeah, we they're just PR. Like, yeah, we use the hunting wire when new sponsors come on or when sponsors re up. You know, like like a year, press release thing. Press release. There you go. Um, and you know, when we go into like when we do events, if we go down to let's say Texas and is doing a meet and greet or a pull in here and do it, whatever. Yeah. The press release will go out, and they put it out in. So day. it's not like a article in a magazine. We're talking about. We're talking about it's, a press. It's release. a pretty good sized article, but it reads like you know, like you said, kind of almost like a press release. Oh, the, that's the, cool. the title: Chad and Clint Belding's legendary journey to Jack Daniel's headquarters, a celebration of partnership and craftsmanship in Lynchburg. Oh, that's cool. And then just kind of an update about our experience. And I'm sure that'll go out on our social media at some point. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely. I can tell you, I mean, I enjoyed the heck out of it. I got the opportunity to go there my third year of college, however old you are there. I think I was 21. I think it was of age, but um, I went with our cousin Eric, who tagged along for this trip, too, and I didn't drink whiskey back then. I'd venture to say I didn't like whiskey. You know, even if I drank a little bit of alcohol, I didn't drink very much. So I enjoyed the heck out of it. I was always like, man, I want to go back there someday because I thought it was just such a cool experience, Um, Twenty. 25 years ago yeah so yeah that i would say that supports the idea that if you're not a big whiskey yeah, person or or if you are a huge whiskey person uh jack daniels that's cheap everyday rot gut whiskey kind of stuff you know you, you got maybe those like whiskey bourbon snobs kind of stuff right. i guarantee you if they went there and and saw what what quality product that is they probably change their tune so both sides of it i'd say high high-end whiskey people or people who don't even like it they're going to enjoy that experience well it I'm sounds sure. like it's got quite a bit of history even obviously dating back to the civil war all in a dry county too about. yeah <laughs> but you can drink there right and they have some kind of they passed an ordinance so that's when i went there 25 years ago they couldn't serve alcohol right. like when you finished the tour they gave you a non-alcoholic drink um but they passed some kind of ordinance that allowed them at least to sell um certain quantities on property for the for the tourism aspect of it so yeah it was it was a cool experience that's that's like that touches the surface of of what we did so you've never done that so next barrel tasting you're going back and picking it huh i'll go yeah <laughs> and that'll be after you get your sheep and then you can we can do a resin table right on top of and use your sheep 
That would be on nice. On top of that. That, that way you could Clay's going to make me a resin board. cutting board. But, but the resin table for a sheep is you, much this, smaller. You need it like a 12 by 12, not. Yeah, it's like a second resin cutting board. 12 inch, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to raid your arrowhead you, stash, though. <laughs> And that's the cool part about it, because what do you what do you do with a bunch of those kind of broken halves and all that kind of stuff? That's that's how you use them. I I would put I would put the creme de la creme in something like that because you know it'll last forever. And but what are you ever going to do with at it? At the same time, you could take one because how many how many do we have that are absolutely perfect, but then the bottom ends broke off, or vice versa? Well, oh, I know. You know, bury that in the sand a little yeah. bit, and it, you know whatever you see is perfect. Yeah. Go get signed up, Benelli Migration Madness, Alex. I'm already looking. Oh, looking. Already. At, I want to read the fine print, though. Make sure I don't get. You know, you you can't be in it because you win and then part of the team. Uh, sorry, yeah. Alex. Uh. When I was in when I was in school, my friend won a boat at a boat show, but he wasn't old enough to claim it. Don't want that to happen. I went to me. down. Uh, we played state in Vegas from high school. We went down there and stayed at one of the casinos. And I walked in. I was like, "Huh, stuck money, pissed off money, and wanted to hit twelve hundred dollars." <laughs> walked right away. Everyone's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like. <laughs> I can't take that. Hey, do you wow. want twelve hundred dollars? Go to that machine. Oh. We, <laughs> but so they got cameras and yeah. Back in the day, you know, when they actually used to spit quarters out, we used to do that too. You, you know, when no one was looking, you drop it in and try and hit something, you know, and just try and grab it. And we used to always, what, what if we hit the big one? Just grab as much as you can grab yeah. and then go. <laughs> Talking about going, going. We're out. We're out. See we you. Could probably week. talk all day about. The Jack, Jack Daniels. Daniels tour. I've, I've tended to come on in here and tell you about the guy that stole the gas out of the truck at the restaurant. I'll save that till next week too. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear. It. I haven't heard the story, so I gotta. I gotta hear that one. I'll be week. angry when I hear it. I know. Thank you for joining us. Get signed up for Benelli's Migration Madness. I imagine we're gonna have some graphics to put on our social yeah, media, make it easier for you. Yep. But it was shoot dash on hyphen on dot com backslash Benelli Migration Madness. What's the difference between a hyphen and a dash? Hyphen is. The correct way. Correct enunciation. <laughs> we got the grammar Nazi in here. See you next week. Last